Blog Talk Radio. Sandy, so we had to take a uh, week off. We're without power here at the Ken Reedy Show Studios. But we are back right here, the best in pro wrestling talk. And we're actually privileged today. I actually actually had to put clothes on this week because we, uh, we have the NWA cameras are in the studio kind of taking some footage on how we do the show here. So as you know, I'm doing NWA commentating. So here it is. You know, you guys who haven't seen the show, who haven't listened to the show, the best in pro wrestling talk. You want to know what goes on inside the ring, outside the ring, NWA, or all the other promotions? You keep it right here, the Ken Reedy Show. Our call-in number is 347-838-9815 because we want to hear from you and what you think about the world of professional wrestling. Like I said earlier, we were forced to take a week off. Um, it's a difficult week. Uh, we got hit pretty hard up here in uh, Rockland, Westchester County with uh, Hurricane Sandy. Still some people here with, without uh, power, um, you know, but there are a lot of people that are a lot worse off than we are. So, uh, you know, thoughts out to all those people affected, uh, Jersey Shore, Staten Island. Uh, I know a lot of people are out there not only without power, but um, without homes, Uh it's it was really a difficult time. I, I have friends. Uh, I have a friend actually who lives up here. She lost her entire house. Um, the Hudson River overflowed. So I mean, it's just a, a bad bad scene uh, up in the Northeast. So um, you know, thoughts out to everyone who uh, had it a lot worse than I did. Uh, you know, give to the Red Cross, uh, help out, donate to shelters, or whatever you can do. If you have, uh, please give. Um, it was really a, a tough time up here in the Northeast. Um, you know, as always, my tag team partner Dave is on the line with us, uh, co-hosting. Dave, how are you tonight? I'm I'm doing good. I was I was doing good until you mentioned that part about uh, you got to put clothes on. I think uh, Sandy uh, has been uh, punished you for a week because you haven't been wearing clothes this entire time we've been doing the show. So uh, <laughs> it's yeah, the good cat's out of the bag. Nobody knew. It's like, hey, it's a radio. I don't have to get dressed for this, but now there's an actual camera in the studio. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm clothed. I have my my Jimmy Snuka shirt on because I have to look all wrestlingish and stuff. But uh, yeah, it was you know Dave, also my my host and also my running mate. Uh, 
This week was a presidential election, and as luck would have it, it turns out we got at least one vote. I know we got at least one vote in the write-in, so that's awesome. And ironically enough, I think it was somewhere in Maine that this vote was tabulated. So uh, go figure, you know. So we, you know, we got four years to to uh, kind of move forward with this. Uh, had a lot of fun with this presidential run. Uh, gotta give a shout out to Bob Arian who really <laughs> pushed it. A uh, little bit, a little bit pushed any any camera he could get his hands on. Uh, he was yelling to vote for Ken Reedy, so uh, I got to give him uh, props. So uh, who knows what will happen in four years. Uh, maybe we'll get two votes, which would be double the amount of votes we got this time perhaps. But, uh, you know, the election is over. Uh president gets reelected. Uh, interesting time for this country and not to get off topic. Uh, but you know what? A lot of people, it seems like in this country right now, are more concerned with uh, Obama failing than America succeeding. And I, I think it's time now. Look, the election's over. He's our president. Uh, let's support him, and hopefully uh, we can move forward and uh, onward and upward for this country. Um, if you disagree with what's going on, all I can say is get involved. Find your local party. Uh, find something, uh, just get involved, because just uh, posting venomous Facebook statuses does not constitute uh, getting involved and supporting your party. So uh, just get out there, get involved, but remember, you know, we're all in this together. We're all Americans, so whatever party you wind up falling on, you know, at this point, you got to root for the great USA, uh, which on top of that, today is Veterans Day, and, you know, Dave, send out all the best to all the veterans who have helped preserve our freedom and protect this country uh, over the years. Uh, you know, an extreme uh, wholehearted thank you goes out to all the veterans. Absolutely, yeah. It's a very, very big day. Uh, you know, uh, can, never, uh, can never forget what the, uh, the, the, uh, the men and women of our country, uh, you know, fighting for us, you know, the, what they do for us. So, uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. So with all that being said, uh, it's, it's you know it's tough sometimes to make that transition. So we had a presidential election. We uh, Sandy, the devastation of Sandy, uh, wishing all the veterans well. And now let's smoothly transition into talking about some wrestling. Uh, this is the best in pro wrestling talk. We want to hear from you. And you know what? I gotta say that we are very fortunate here. And you know, we, we say it time and time again here that this is not just a show, it's a movement. And slowly, but surely and steadily, we've been gaining some momentum. And we wind up not being able to do a show last week. And we are still up at around 2,000 listens for the month of November without a show in the can. So people went, even though we didn't do a live show last week, people went and listened to some of the archive shows catching up on what we're doing. So I know we say it a lot, but I can't stress enough how appreciative we are of what you guys do and how you guys support us. So with that all being said, we thought tonight, rather than doing the usual and dissecting all the shows that because you fans have been so great, we're just going to go right to the Facebook page and talk about some of the things that you fans kind of posted on there. Uh, first thing, uh, it was interesting is that WrestleMania tickets went on sale this week. So we have people like, like Mike and and uh, Mr. Trivia and Henry and Christine, who actually sat behind us last year in Miami, 
They're all on board. They posted on the Facebook page that they're going to be at WrestleMania next year in New Jersey. And stay tuned to this show because it's in the planning right now. It's in the works. We're trying to figure out exactly what we want to do. But we're going to plan some big Ken Reedy show tailgate party in the parking lot at WrestleMania. So keep it right here as soon as we figure out details. Uh, yeah, you know, we all got your smartphones because it might be like we're pulling into the parking lot and figuring out exactly where we're going to be at that time. But we definitely want to plan a big Ken Reedy show tailgate party at at WrestleMania next year. So keep you posted. And it's, you know, it's amazing. Tickets just went on sale and got a ton of people who listen to the show are definitely going. But one of the big things this week, it was a big anniversary this week in in the history of pro wrestling. 15 years ago, which amazes me how long I've been watching wrestling. 15 years ago, the Montreal screw job occurred. Uh, a moment in wrestling that, you know, all you have to do is say Montreal screw job. And if you're a wrestling fan that's worth his weight, you know exactly what that means. And you know most of the things surrounding it. Dave, I cannot believe that 15 years has passed since that happened. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's quite that, that's quite amazing, uh, you know, to me too. I uh, I can I can remember it. I, I can't say I can remember it like it was yesterday, but it, it seems pretty recent to me. Um, it's one of those uh, those topics that um, will never ever not be talked about in wrestling, um, and it really set the stage for you know what the landscape of wrestling has been like in the last 15 years in regards to, you know, as a viewer, um, considering that fans witnessed the promoter of a wrestling organization change the finish of a match live on pay-per-view. And then, of course, you know, you read about it online, and there's, all, there's been all kinds of theories over the years, um, you know, whether Bret Hart was in on it and it was just a way to, you know, help make the company money. And, you know, there, Sean had finally admitted years later that he was a part of it, um, even though he denied it at first. And this was the, the beginning of the Mr. McMahon character. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's a big topic and it's something that changed the face of wrestling um, forever, in my opinion. I agree with you, and and one of the things you know when people talk about uh, the Attitude Era and they, they throw around you know names like Stone Cold and and you know what he did for the business and how uh, you know the WWE was able to overtake WCW and all that other great stuff and and you you, you said it quickly in, in uh, your explanation, Dave, but I don't think it can be understated the importance of the Mr. McMahon character being born. Um, and something that, you know, who knows if, if it does come about at any point in time, if not for the Montreal screw job. Um, you know, he was a guy that, look, if someone said to me that they, they're making a list of the best heels of all time and put Mr. McMahon at number one, I'm, I'm not going to debate you. Um, you know, he's warranted consideration. He was one of those guys, that character, that Mr. McMahon character, which I find hilarious that he's cheered now when he comes down to the ring. But that character... He could have been. He could have put me in the ring, and if I said, you know, Mr. McMahon, you suck, I would get the biggest pop in the building. He was that good a heel that it was almost like the company could just pick someone to go against McMahon, and you know the crowd was going to go nuts for him. And not to take anything away from Stone Cold, 
But that really elevated that Stone Cold character. His rivalry with Mr. McMahon really brought that to a whole new level because you have this character that was this anti-hero, uh, this guy that was against establishment. And then you have the the nasty, mean, controlling boss type figure. And it was just the perfect – it was a perfect storm. The two of them and, and what their characters brought to the table – um, was just amazing, and, and it worked really well for TV. And that was all born out of this Mo- Montreal screw job. And it's funny when you think about your fandom, uh, you know, going back and stuff. And we've debated a few times, and we're probably going to debate again tonight about you know Shawn Michaels' place in history and and what he means and where he should be ranked and is he overrated or not. And I've admitted I was always a Brett guy through and through. I was a Brett guy. Um, I never, I never really took to to Shawn Michaels, but in recognizing myself and and perhaps some bias I may have, I do wonder sometimes if subconsciously because of Brett getting screwed and Michaels, you know, being in on it, if that's affected my opinion on Michaels and, and his career. Um, it is something that again every wrestling fan remembers watching it. Um, like it, it's it's almost like you got to see Oz. You know, the curtain got pulled back, and you got to see some of the inner workings of uh, professional wrestling. And everyone has a theory on it. Uh, if you were watching back then, like you said, some people think that Brett may have been involved, that this was all a major conspiracy where, you know, go to WCW and let's break it up from the inside. Um, you know, eventually Michaels for years said he didn't know, but eventually admitted that he did know and was in on it. Um, you know, all the stuff, even right down to Bret Hart's documentary film, Wrestling with Shadows. You know, it was really convenient that while he just happened to be doing a documentary, that all this stuff unfolded while he had the cameras there. Um, you know, all that stuff. It just it, And it, every year, it seems, that goes by in these 15 years, the folklore of that event builds and builds and builds. The point where even this year they released a DVD, you know, rivalries, and you have Michaels and Bret Hart, and they're still talking about it, and people still want to talk about it. And when we're having, Dave and I are having our pre-show meeting, and we're throwing around stuff, and not to rip or bash or whatever, but neither one of us were totally impressed with, with Raw or SmackDown. Nothing really jumped out at us, and we were trying to figure out, all right, what do you want to talk about this week? And then it was kind of like, oh yeah, it was 15 years, let's... Let's talk about that a little bit because it's one of those things that you could bring up in a group of wrestling fans and you'd have conversations for hours. Uh, It's just one of those events that sticks in your head. And I'm going to go to the Facebook page because there were a bunch of people who uh, wanted to comment on it because we did ask on the Facebook page, since it's been 15 years, where does this event rank in history? Uh, Justin uh, said to us, number one, really and truly. Saying number one really and truly. When he puts really and truly, he's serious. But this, as as you said, Dave, this changed the wrestling business and the lives of each involved forever. Still discussed and dissected 15 years later. And let's dissect Justin's comment for a minute. Because I am one of those people that in everything, whether it's football or basketball or wrestling or movies or I am always so leery and hesitant to put anything in the number one spot. I'm always like, you know, no, it can't be number one. It can't be. And and this is one of those things that 
depending on your criteria for events. Um, but if you're just saying like event, so, something that happened in wrestling, um, I can't get mad at anyone who's going to put this at number one. I really can't. It, it the, the influence, um, you know, over the years, it, it's just tremendous how it changed the business. I mean, you look back at certain things, certain things that were scripted. I mean, you know, I always look back at like the moment Hogan changed in the NWO form, but that's that's still like within the context of storylines. Um, you know, this you know between the storylines, the the rumors or which turned out to be true that that Brett and Sean really hated each other behind the scenes, all the contracts, so the the storylines were bleeding into real life and vice versa. Um, you know, and, and just the history of those two guys back when they were tag team wrestlers. I mean, everything surrounding this event, um, it being it bleeding into real life a bit. Uh, yeah, like it being number one, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to, to pick an event in wrestling that I'd say would bump this, definitively bump this out of the number one spot. Um, you know, I mean, McMahon's buying WCW. I, I, I don't know. I... I it's tough for me, but it might very well be the top event that's that's ever occurred in in professional wrestling history. Um, your thoughts as far as ranking it? Um, I I would have to tend to agree with him and say it's number one for a few reasons. Um, first and foremost, a lot of people when they look at the launch of the Attitude Era, they look at a couple different things. They look at the the, the formation of the character of Gold Dust by Dustin Rhodes and how edgy and ahead of its time it was. And that, and, you know, I, I would I would tend to agree in some ways, that character really helped, you know, get the Attitude Era in motion. And then some people will look at the Austin 316 promo after the King of the Ring, and or even when Steve Austin turned babyface, um, against Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 of that year, because several months before the uh, the Montreal Screwjob. But what really kicked it into high gear? Well, let me just backtrack for a second, because in between, I'd say mid 1993 to about just around, I'd say the end of '96, you saw a lot of hokey, cartoonish characters that, you know weren't really connecting with an audience at that time. It's it just an overall wrestle, a general wrestling audience that the WWE was producing, the WWF at the time. You saw a plumber, a garbage man, a clown, a hockey player, you know, all kinds of silly stuff. And the company was getting killed by WCW. They were getting killed, just flat out. And they needed a moment that was just going to really grab people's attention. And there were certain little points, like I said, like the ascension of the Goldust character and then Steve Austin basically coming into his own with the Austin 316 promo. And then later on when he turned babyface and the fans wanted to, to, to cheer for, for him and make him the number one guy. But there needed to be something that really grabbed the overall audience's attention, the overall wrestling audience's attention, even fans over in WCW. And this Montreal Screwjob moment did that. It did that for a number of reasons. Number one, when they were promoting this Brett Shawn match, I remember this vividly watching on television, both of them were, were not baby faces. They were both heels. Brett was the number one heel doing the whole Canadian, you know, faction against America 
and then Sean turned heel and started doing the DX thing with Hunter. And, you know, knowing Vince McMahon and, and you know, the, the, the way the WWE has booked their angles over the years, he would never, ever spotlight two, you know, hated heels in the main event against each other. There were, it was always the good guy versus the bad guy, you know? And you, you felt something had to give because it, it just seemed like the buildup towards it. You, I mean, fans knew of the history with Brett and Sean, whether it be inside the ring and, you know, behind the scenes. But they also they also you also felt like something had to give with this one because not a whole lot of people knew that he was heading over to WCW probably until about like three or four days before the pay-per-view when it broke online. Um, and the match just kind of felt to get thrown together. The buildup kind of felt thrown together. So you had a feeling in some ways, at least I did watching it, that something was going to happen. Um, and then when Brett, you know, quit or, you know, decided to sign with WCW, then you had that you had that idea, okay, this is why they're doing this match, you know, because of the, the, the turmoil with Brett and Sean and Brett's got to get his win or whatever. Um, turns out it didn't happen that way. But that moment needed to happen for the WWE and just for wrestling in a whole so they could just shake things up a bit and, you know, people could not only pay attention to their product, but the mainstream, you know, audience can, you know, gravitate towards the wrestling product and be like, oh, wow, this is edgy. This is interesting. This is, you know, this is must-see TV. If, you know, the promoter of of a wrestling company, you know, goes out live and basically changes the direction of a storyline live on pay-per-view, you know, this has got to be real. Um, it's got to be interesting, something you'd want to watch. So I think that moment in my mind, number one, because it makes, you know, it, to the to the wrestling fans and, and to the just wrestling in general, it um, it changed, like I said, it changed early, it changed how you view wrestling. And then, of course, everybody would go to the dirt sheets, and myself included, when you, when you watch a pay-per-view match or you're leading up to a pay-per-view match, you would view, like, how the finish is going to be differently. Okay, well, you know, Joe Blow over here is going to take on, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry in a handicap match, and, you know, how's the finish going to work? Because so-and-so, all because of that. People analyzed finishes of matches because of the Montreal Screwjob and how that played out right in front of our very eyes on pay-per-view. And, it, and, and like I said, the Mr. McMahon character we've talked about, it spawned off, and look what happened with Brett. Brett went over to WCW. They did nothing with him, absolutely nothing. And then his career got cut short of, of a concussion. Shawn Michaels' career ended not too long after that for a brief four years, and the attitude error just kept still going and going. So I, I do agree. That moment is number one because of just how it changed everything, the entire landscape across the board of wrestling, not only WWE, but of wrestling itself. The cool thing about it also is, you know, if you're if you're an educated wrestling fan, you can see all sides, which makes it a, a, an interesting debate. I mean, and, and we're going to go back to our Facebook. I mean, our friend Colin writes, I'm still pissed about this. Um, and Justin writes, from which side? Uh, we have Frank, who actually wrote, I side with uh, Vince and HBK. Uh, Colin follows up by saying, I'm a Brett guy. Do I think Brett was 100% right in all this? No, but after 17 years with the company, the top guy who worked hurt, sick, missed his children's births, uh, holidays to keep the company afloat and who wanted to stay with you, but you told him you couldn't afford to keep him, to just screw him like that was horrible. Just let him lose the next night in the States. 
Uh, Justin follows up with saying, I'm a Brett guy too. Although Sean wasn't too far behind for me, the only problem with dropping the belt the next night was by that weekend, the word was already out that he was leaving. Huge lack of communication by everyone. Sean should have been willing to do business way before, and this would have never been a problem. Our man Tony, our blogger, writes, hard to believe it's been 15 years. I feel like it all just happened. And that's all like what makes it such an amazing event. You can see both sides. You can see all the sides. I mean, let's let's just... We'll start with Shawn Michaels, because he gets vilified a lot uh, with this. But look, it's wrestling. It's his job. It's his livelihood. The boss came to him and said, you need to do this. Now, I know that Shawn Michaels has had a history of disobeying and all that other good stuff, but let's face it. There was no love lost between him and Brett, and the boss came to him and said, this is how we're going to do it. I, I can't necessarily fault Shawn Michaels for saying you know what, if that's what McMahon wants, I, I, I want my paycheck, I'm just going to follow orders and we'll we'll do it this way. Obviously the same is true for Hebner. As a ref, I'm going to do what the boss tells me. Um, I get it where people say, well, Bret Hart, you know, you're told to drop the match. That's the way the business goes. You should have dropped the match uh, and dropped the belt. I get that. However, I do understand that as a man, sometimes, and I, I would bet that when I look at that event, that Brett may have dropped the belt to almost anybody else. But the history he had with Shawn Michaels, he just was not going to drop the belt in Canada to Michaels. So I I, I can see both sides for Brett. Uh, Vince McMahon, his company, he's, he's the boss of a sinking ship. Uh, he's grasping at straws. What can I do to keep my baby afloat? Maybe this is a panic move. Uh, who knows what was going through Vince's head right there. But, you know, he's got two guys, two egos in that ring. He needs to do something. He's got to get the belt off of Brett. Brett is almost flat out refusing to drop the belt. I get why Vince had to do what he had to do. So do I agree with everyone? No. Do I think that, you know, everyone probably could have done something a little differently so this didn't happen? Probably. Uh, again, believing that it's all real and it wasn't like this huge plan concocted by everybody to uh, destroy WCW. Um, I can see everyone's side of it, and that's what makes the event so intriguing that when you really analyze it, you know, it's very easy to say Brett was the victim and Michaels and Vince were the bad guys here. But when you really analyze everyone involved, um, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to really say that any one person in this event was 100% wrong or 100% right. Everyone did some things wrong, and everyone felt like they did some things that they had to do. And and that's what makes this thing so intriguing. You know, everything surrounding it, the real-life stuff, the storylines, the, the contract, uh, WCW, Brett being the guy, the hatred that supposedly really existed between Brett and Shawn Michaels. Uh, it just, everything surrounding it made this event uh, um, just a, an amazing moment in in wrestling history. And, uh, you know, honestly, if you go to our Facebook page, if you have some another event in wrestling history that uh, you'd like to name as like a, a different number one, uh, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. Or obviously call in at 347-838-9815 to let us know. But, um, you know, it seems like, you know, nobody on our Facebook page flat out came out and said, no, it's definitely not the number one. 
Uh, they debated things. They talked about, you know, their opinions on it, but no one said it's definitely not number one. And I think it's just, you know, even if you tend to disagree a little bit, um, it's hard to say that definitively, like, you're going to get mad if it's it's the number one uh, event in wrestling history. So, and, and I kind of agree with Tony. I, I Dave, I, I can't believe it's been 15 years since it happened. Yeah, I, you know, it's it, like I said, we're we're still talking about it today. So it's that it's that big of a deal, um, and uh, you know, I I mean, I don't know, I don't know what to say. You know, uh, it's you, you, nothing like that will nothing like that. I can't say never, but nothing. I, in my opinion, I don't think we'll see anything come across like that ever again. The closest thing we get we got to that was probably the CM Punk stuff from a year ago with the Summer of Punk, um, and that was you know. Yeah. Still, you know, the, still the problem with that, though, is you know it's so different now. That's why I agree with you that I don't think we'll ever see it. And and even I mean maybe it's close with with Punk. I mean they they tried to create something. Um, I think it could have been bigger than it was. Um, oh, absolutely. But the the internet and the dirt sheets and all that other good stuff were really in its infancy, and um, a lot of people were shocked. Uh, you know, right now. If someone's contract is is coming to a close, it seems like every wrestling fan knows it. So it's you, like you know something's going to happen. Um, you know, I don't even remember if I knew completely at that moment. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a big computer guy. I wasn't always checking the dirt sheets. So uh, I, I don't remember really if I knew going in. I may have knew that Brett was rumored to be leaving. Um, so it was, it was a lot different, uh, the world back then, you know, you didn't necessarily know, uh, what was coming down the pike. You didn't know if someone's contract was up. I mean, sometimes you may have gotten wind of it. Uh, nowadays it's tough to surprise the wrestling fan because most wrestling fans are trying to grab as much information as they can from whatever sources. And sometimes the sources are wrong. Sometimes they're right, but there's yeah. so much out there. We at this show just happen to be the best that's out there, but there's so much out there now that it, it would be really difficult for something like this to ever happen again because of uh, the the information that's circulating. The only way something like this could ever happen if it if it was in the middle of someone's contract, and maybe if some wrestler actually acted on his own in the middle of the ring, because then like no one would be able to report on it. If a wrestler yeah. decided in a, in a match that you know what, hey, I'm not supposed to go over, but I'm going to anyway, and I'm just going to knock them out when I get down there. You know, maybe that would be an event that would hold a candle to this. But other than that, I, it's just going to be really difficult to ever see anything like this again. But what was interesting is when we have a match like that, and two, definitively, we may debate on their place in history, but, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, two of the best ever uh, in the history of wrestling. However, uh WWE this week released their Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. Uh, and the Mount Rushmore had uh, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, and Hulk Hogan on, on the Mount Rushmore. And we asked our, our fans on the Facebook page uh, if you thought that that was deserved. And what I found intriguing was I, I wonder with the WWE, you know, who does what? Uh, maybe it's two different sections, but I did find it intriguing that Michaels was the best of all time on the top 50 superstars ever, 
but he doesn't make the Mount Rushmore. Um, and I'd be curious if that's a criteria issue, if it's just different people in the company doing it. Um, but you would think if you're the best of all time, you'd, you'd be on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, so I found that interesting. Um, I honestly don't have a problem with this Mount Rushmore. Uh, I may tweak it, but let's see. Our fans on Facebook, uh, Vladimir actually said, depends if we're talking about guys who have made the most money, then that seems pretty accurate. He may take out The Undertaker and put The Rock. But he said maybe. Uh, Justin said, can't really tell who's between Hogan and Austin. And he was that, that was John Cena. I had actually some trouble telling that right off the bat as well. But yeah, that is John Cena. And Justin said he would put Bruno in Cena's place. Um, I don't have a problem with Cena, on Rushmore, Cena being on the Mount Rushmore, but I, I wouldn't have a problem if Bruno was there as well. So that, that that's cool. Uh, Lori writes, just love it. So she's in agreement. Scott says there's only one face Vince would allow on the WWE Mount Rushmore, and that is his own. <laughs> LOL. Seriously, I would think that Triple H would be on there or HBK. Uh, let's see. Uh, Kevin says The Rock and Randy Savage should be on there. Uh, also, Triple H should be there with Bret Hart. And then we have Owen Hart and British Bulldog. He also puts Mr. Perfect and the Road Warriors. And those are a few names who should be on there. They got The Undertaker right. Uh, our friend Kevin, who, who wrote a, a bunch of names, we, we, we're going to need a bigger mountain. It's only... I was just like Coco Beware on the mountain, too, while we're at okay. Kevin, Kevin wants Triple H, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Bulldog, Mr. Perfect, The Road Warriors, and The Undertaker. Um, we got it. We need four. All those guys, again, all-time greats, love the Road Warriors. I mean, to me, definitively the best tag team ever. But uh, we need four. Uh, Cincinnati sports photography can't be legit without Flair or Vince. Flair is an interesting topic because I agree if it was pro wrestling, Mount Rushmore, which would be another interesting debate. Uh, WWE, purely WWE. I don't know, like, who I'd knock off to put Flair on there. Um, let's see. Our Dave uh, writes, Vince would would have his own face up there, maybe instead of Michaels or Hogan. Uh, and then, actually, Dave writes, if it were a wrestling Mount Rushmore, he would say Flair, Luthez, Bruno, and Dusty or Taker. That's interesting. Uh, Frank writes, what about Andre? And good for Frank, because... You know, I'll, I'm going to be honest. I didn't think of Andre right off the bat either. Andre, you know, yeah, he, he kind of should be there. Um, whether it is you knock Cena off for Andre, uh, yeah, I, I just, first ever Hall of Famer in the WWE. Uh, as Frank goes on to say, if we're talking iconic figures in the history of wrestling etched in stone, he's the original icon. Can't argue with that. Uh, excellent point by Frank. And uh, our blogger, Tony, says, I'd have Randy Savage in there. Vince would no doubt have himself. Everyone thinks Vince is pretty self-centered. <laughs> Triple H, I also think The Rock, Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels should be up there. So, again, it's tough because it's it's a four. Um, it's really difficult to, to come up with four. You know, when I started thinking who I might change, um, I did think that I might go with a uh, Andre Bruno, Stone Cold, and Hogan 
four. Uh, but again, the, the four they came up with, I'm not necessarily vehemently uh, opposed to it. Who, who would you, who would you, your uh, Mount Rushmore be? Well, I mean, I can't argue with the one that they put up. Um, but when I look at the Mount, Ru- when I look at that Mount Rushmore, Undertaker has basically been a part of. When I look at the Mount Rushmore, you know, with the four guys, I look at four different eras and one guy leading the charge. And Undertaker has, for the most part, been involved with. You know, you know he's been he, he's been involved with four of the with with those eras. He's worked in 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 time with Cena, um, you know, side by side with Austin and even with Hogan. So I mean, a lot of people would you know probably crucify me for this if I took Undertaker out. But if I look at it, I look at it like four different eras. I mean, Hogan obviously, you know, during the '80s would be a name that would that, that deserves to be on there. Um, Steve Austin, John Cena, the modern era guy. You know, a lot of people are probably crucify me for that too, but I really don't care. And um, you know, I mean, Undertaker, you know, he deserves to be up there. Andre's a name. Randy Savage, The Rock. What about Bret Hart? Bret Hart's a name that we could, you know. Somebody there's a here's a name that wasn't brought up that I think probably deserve that probably would deserve to be on there, but uh Roddy Piper. I mean Roddy Piper helped, you know, basically alongside Hogan take wrestling and put it into the mainstream, you know, with that feud that they had going into WrestleMania one. Um, you know, he, he he helped lay the groundwork for that. It wasn't just Hogan. Um you know, you had to have a good, good, bad guy to go along with that great, good guy, and Piper was that guy. So, I mean, Piper would, Piper would work too. I mean, you got to build so many mountains with all these guys that you know have been talked about. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm it's, hoping it's, they get on this because I'd like to go visit this Mount Rushmore. Well, they need um, to get on a Hall of Fame first, you know. That's, that's, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, let, let, let's start with one mountain at a time, okay, yeah. with, all due, with all due respect. It, uh, it's funny that you said because it, it, you're right, though. The, the thing with their Mount Rushmore, the one guy that is interesting is The Undertaker, and not that he's not deserved of it. So don't, don't anyone have a cow out there. Yeah, but no, I don't think he's you, at all. like those three, and, and you, you bring up an excellent point. Those other three – each clearly have an era that they dominated. That that it was their era. Um, and it's funny. Does Taker get you know penalized because he you know his career spanned over a couple of eras? Um, but to me, he was never like the guy. Um, he was the guy in spurts. But when you start to identify certain eras, um, I, I don't think you'll look at like the Taker. Era, so to speak. Um, you know, if you, if you talk the '80s, kind of obviously it's Hogan. You're talking the PG era. You're talking about John Cena. You're talking about the Attitude era. You think Stone Cold. Um, you know, Taker's just been you know the consummate professional and an amazing performer. Uh, but it's tough to tie him definitively to an, an era. Um, that's why when Frank brought up Andre, and I think of like the, like he said that first iconic. Superstar, um, yeah. I honestly, with that mountain right there, um, and again, there's probably people out there like you know or that are throwing things at their computer that we wouldn't bump John Cena instead. But I think it's interesting when you talk about different eras, and and I also I think I would bump on I bump a uh, Taker for Andre perhaps, and uh, 
that would be my four. But again, like you said, I don't have a problem with this. Uh, for what John Cena has done, like it or not, uh, this is his era. This has been his decade. And look, he, he is the poster boy for you know criticizing everything that's wrong in professional wrestling. However, um, look at some of the things he's done right. Uh, you know, setting the record for Make-A-Wish, uh, you know, things like that, his charitable things, uh, the uh, the visits to the troops that, you know, I know Vince has a lot to do with that, but that flourished with John Cena. John Cena has, has a kinship with uh, the U.S. military. Um, there's a lot that John Cena has done over the years that, uh, you know, warrants him having a place because, like we said, he had his era. So, it's up for debate, and with that in mind, why don't we hit the phones and see what our callers have? I think first off, I think we got Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Maybe it's a uh, caller. Hi, Ken. Oh, sorry, it's Justin. How you doing, Justin? What's up, buddy? I miss you, oh, oh, pal. I miss you too. How you doing? Very good. So we're Justin. We're debating the best wrestlers of, of all time because they just came out with the WWE Mount Rushmore. Uh, who would be on your Mount Rushmore? Edge. Somehow I thought you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> you know with Edge though, and he's a name that, I, and on some levels, uh, he's not mentioned with the all-time greats. Uh, he's held more titles than anyone else in WWE history. Oh, yeah. There you go. That, doesn't that warrant at least a conversation? Perhaps his name getting thrown around. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm, I'm putting edge on my Mount Rushmore, but, Justin, I get where you're coming from. Thank you, Ken, because Dave's right. He has more brains, like like a, like a scientist. Say, Dave, like a scientist? Oh, oh yeah. I, 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 I can be a very evil scientist when it comes to wrestling, you know, especially uh, the debate I have on Facebook with some people these days. So thank you, Justin. <laughs> Welcome, Dave. And Ken Reedy, he, he should be fighting for, for, for his freedom. I'm fighting for my freedom. I, my I'm, freedom. You know, I'm all for freedom. I, I am uh, pro-freedom, definitely. Uh, Justin, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for giving us a call. That's uh, okay, Ken. You, you can manage it. Thanks, I appreciate that. We'll talk to you later. You call us next week? Yeah, sure, why not? All right, thank you. Yep. Well, I, why not? <laughs> I don't know, how do we go from there? You know, it's funny, because like I, I remember, like, you know, when on the on our switchboard here, we don't have names that come up, it's just the numbers, so I kind of... <laughs> I think the number now is, is Tony, so I got them wrong. Tony, are you there? Yeah. All right. How you doing, Tony? I'm all right. I'm doing all right. Whew. Man, yeah, this has been uh, – yeah, I've been listening to everything you've been saying. Yeah, as far as the uh, uh, Mount Rushmore, yeah. Um, Roddy Piper, right, Dave, that was actually – that was a good that was a good one. Yeah, I didn't think of him. But uh, I don't know. I mean, with so many names, you might have to have, like, certain, you know, like <laughs> numerous Mount Rushmores for each era, the way, you know, the way things are, uh, you know, with all the names, all the names thrown out there. But if you, if you had, I mean, you know, gun to your head, and you had to pick your four that's going to go on on the Mount Rushmore, who, which four are you putting up there? I would definitely put uh, Taker up there since he was pretty much around for like, you know, for 
he's been around forever. Um, probably Shawn Michaels. Uh, I would put you know, like either like uh, maybe Brett and uh, Austin or The Rock. I mean, I, I, like I said, that's just you know, that's just four. I mean, there's, like I said, there's so many I can pick from, but I don't know. I'm just you know, picking four. <laughs> Four guys there. Again, and, that, and I think that's what makes this like such an interesting debate. I mean, it gets look, and we we fought basically, and we've debated and argued over and over again the top fifty list. That's fifty, and that's a little easier to start to like debate like where someone fits in in the top fifty when you can only pick four. That's tough. It's tough to pick four because there's so many greats out there. Like, how do you pick, you know, your four? Which makes for a fun and interesting debate. Um, you know, and those of you who don't know Tony, Tony's our guest blogger. Uh, I want to ask you, Tony, because we didn't have your blogs for a little while there. Uh, you finally got power back? Last Saturday morning, yeah. So I was out from last Monday night to last Saturday morning. What time did you almost lose power on Monday? Monday. When, what time? I lost power on uh, Monday a couple weeks ago. It was just a little after 7, so I... Um, yeah, like I said, I didn't really get the like. I caught up on the shows uh, later after I got my uh, cable back. But, yeah, it was uh, like yeah. I, you know, I lost power right around the same time. It was like just in time. It was like, hey, it's, it's windy. All right, cool. Guess what? You're not watching Raw. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I it was like, come on. For us, I don't know about you. It, the power didn't even flicker. It was like everything was fine, and then darkness. And ironically enough, I don't know if either one of you has seen the TV show Revolution. It's about, you know, post-apocalyptic Earth when all power is is gone. Electricity, batteries, everything. It just disappears in an instant. I was watching that show when the power went out. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it was like, we're watching like, oh, what would the world be like without power? No power. So it was interesting. So I guess if there was ever a world without power, what would happen would be uh, there'd be a gas shortage, and then there'd be long lines at gas stations, and then eventually we would plunge into Armageddon. But we got to see kind of a precursor of what Armageddon would look like if we lost power. I digress. He definitely did. It was just, oh, my God, it was unfreaking believable. I mean, like I said, over here it was it was – Pretty hard, you know. The, the storm was pretty hard, and the lights kept going in and out. And then eventually, like at seven o'clock, it just went dead. But you guys are uh, safe. You guys are okay. You know, no uh, damage or anything. Your house is okay. Family okay. Yeah, thank God. Everything, you know, everything is all right. You know, we're all uh, we all managed. We you know, we all made it. We spent a lot of cold nights in the house, but you know, we made it. We're <laughs> still there. But uh, yeah. Tony, again, for those of you who don't know Tony, he is. The Ken Reedy Show guest blogger. He gets on. He blogs on all the the wrestling TV shows each and every week. So if you when miss power, get on the website, thekenreedyshow.com, and check out Tony's blogs. He'll catch you up on all the goings ons in the world of professional wrestling. You know, if you if you happen to lose power and are aren't able to watch the show, just go to our website and Tony will blog about it. Tony, always a pleasure. Thanks for the phone call. Actually, um, can I still? Uh, I had more to say. That's no. Right. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, jeez. Is that you, Dave? <laughs> no, that wasn't me. I've been I've been pretty quiet. Again, oh, okay. No, I was about you know like getting back to Brett and uh, Shawn Michaels. I mean, you know, I, I fifteen years. I mean, this is definitely like you said the most. Um, this is definitely going to be the most talked about. You know, like 
uh, controversial topic in, in in the history of pro wrestling, I think. You know, and um, at, you know, I mean, even uh, at the time though, I I wasn't really I wasn't an online fan. I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes, this and that, and anything. So, um, I actually didn't see the Survivor Series that. Um, I didn't see that show, so when I heard that Shawn Michaels, you know, became the champion, I mean, I knew the match was happening, but when Michaels, you know, won, they announced right off the, at the, I think it was right at the start of the show that he won the belt and Brett left the company. I didn't know, you know, I was like, I didn't know what was happening, so I thought, you know, and then when they started doing the whole you know, screw job thing, I thought it was like, okay, this is, it's, if it's on TV, it's got to be all part of the show. Then when I saw the, um, I guess when was that documentary of the Wrestling Shadow there, like a year later, a year and a half. Yeah, it came out around. Like, yeah, it came out a year later after it all happened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because then, then when they were showing the the behind the scenes, and then I was like, well, I mean, this stuff was, you know, yeah, because I thought I, my feelings always been just like, okay, if it's if it's if it's on TV, it means it's all part of the show and it's all scripted. I mean, you know, I had didn't know what was going on, but uh, but uh, again, uh, also that that was definitely the. Um, I think that had to that that definitely had a lot to do with the uh, launching of the attitude era. Oh, definitely, without question. I mean, it's a you know, and then when you think about you know the influence of the attitude era, and then you look at this was, you know, the the start of it. Um, you know, I, I, it's interesting because I, I don't think you can overstate you know the importance of of that singular moment where. You know, in most things, in, in sports, in media, and it, it's very hard to put your finger on certain moments and say, you know, that's the best, or that's, I didn't say that's the best, that's a tough way, but uh, most influential, most important moment, uh, something like that. Um, yeah, it, it might be just the, the top moment in, in the history of wrestling. Definitely, I think so. I mean, you know, I because mean, even before it happened, you know, I mean, when Brett was the was the uh, anti-American heel or whatever, I mean, he was the babyface. He was the babyface everywhere, you know. Like, you know, obviously in Canada, he was the babyface, you know. So it was like when they had that Canadian Stampede show, he was, you know, they were Brett and Owen and the rest of them were all the faces, and Austin was the heel. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny because that that's one of those things that a lot of people uh, talk about different things in wrestling and and uh you know and and I, I love the nwo you know dx was important uh you know all the stuff that went on uh you know different things great writing uh over the years i don't think that storyline really gets enough credit uh in the in the history of wrestling i loved that i thought that that was some of the best writing i've ever seen to have a guy like brett who was the guy who had to take over from hulkamania you know it was like the most popular wrestler in the history of wrestling is leaving, and then it's just like dumped in Brett's lap. Here, go. And uh, an admirable job by him, eventually turning him heel, but turning him heel in this country and being a face outside the country and, and doing things like with Austin's character where it was just, it was slight, slight little nuances that these guys would do that would make them you know, one way in one country and something else in a different country. You know, you know, Austin would be slightly nastier when he was outside yeah. America, which which kind of played up that heel thing. You know, and maybe Brett was a little nicer outside of America. It just was this. I thought it was just great writing that just kind of pitted like the world against America. You know, and and I, it was a really fun time period to to watch wrestling while that that whole thing was was going on and 
it's not one of those things that are really talked about. I mean, I would actually love with all the DVDs that are coming out and, and WWE put out a you know NWO DVD recently, and we've had the DX stuff. We had, I would love to – I would sit and watch a DVD and, and behind-the-scenes interviews on, like, that era, that, that stretch, that storyline. Uh, I would love to, to really hear all those guys and, and what they thought, like, what Austin thought when he was so over in America – but getting booed out of the building in Canada and how they 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 tweaked their characters slightly when they were out of the country. I would love to sit and just watch a, a lengthy documentary on uh, that whole era. Um, tremendous. I just really, one of my favorite times to be a wrestling fan. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we're all in agreement. Can't overstate the importance of uh, the screw job. You got anything else for us, Tony? Um, I guess well, it's set up in a while. Um, but yeah, it's, um, a DVD of that would actually be pretty interesting too. I I definitely took it up myself. You know, having uh, you know, having like a, you know, like a Brett Austin, you know, like kind of like what they did with him and Shawn Michaels. Maybe like do something like that. I don't know if they wanted to do something like that for a DVD. Yeah. You know, like have Jim Ross interview the two of them about it. About it. You know, be awesome. going on at the time. We need to work. We need to work for them. We need to. Well, you know what? We we still theorize that there's someone in Stanford that's listening to the show that's stealing ideas. So if you're out there in Stanford listening, we want a DVD of that that storyline, that whole thing with Brett being a face outside America and a, and a heel in America. We want that DVD. So get on that because there's at least three people that are going to buy it. Tony, yeah. Oh, we'll talk to you next week. Of course. <laughs> Easy, man. Hey. We're going to stick with the phones because we got Mr. Trivia on the line. Thanks for holding on. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing all right. What do you got for us? Uh, I just uh, want to say, uh, first of all, for starters, thank you to all uh, all the veterans. May uh, them and their families be blessed on this uh, Veterans Day. And uh, also, um, my thoughts go out to the victims of, San, of Hurricane Sandra. And, uh, Ken, Dave, I'm sitting here at uh, 6.54 p.m. Uh, listening to the Ken Reedy show, and there hasn't been a mention about Turning Point tonight. We, You know, and it's, it's, I'm glad you said that, but that's we, we got a jam-packed second hour. We're going to hit all of uh, Turning Point. Uh, you know, this is our Turning Point pregame show, and we're going to uh, dissect and analyze uh those matches uh, at the top of the hour after our news break, we're actually going to have the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion Kahagas is going to be calling in. So, you know, jam packed. We do a little history lesson. We're going to have Kahagas at the top of the hour, and then we're going to spend that second hour dissecting Turning Point. But you know, this we just you know anyone calls in, you got stuff you want to talk about, anything about Turning Point that uh, is intriguing you this evening. Uh, well, yeah, the, um, uh, well, first of all, I just wanted to say, uh, there have been a couple of, um, trivia doubters out there about the Aces and Eights. Uh, did I, or did I not mention on the Ken Reedy show about Devon with Aces and Eights? You did. Did I, and is he? He is, you're right. Did, did I also mention that one of the other guys from Aces and Eights was, was Luke Gallows? You, you were did. right on there. So okay. well, you're you're going to see uh, quite a few more that uh, I told you about was going to be on. Also tonight, I believe you're going to possibly Dave. I know you mentioned uh, 
I know we mentioned something last week about uh, – no, the week before. I mean, we weren't on last week. You guys weren't on last week. But uh, you mentioned something about how in the WWE that because he's the face of the company, John Cena would never turn heel. I agree with you on that. And also, tonight, is it possible you might see an AJ Styles heel turn tonight? Oh, I think it's possible. I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, Ken and I spoke about a few weeks ago on the show, freshen up his character a little bit. Um, I, I could see them. I could, I could see him finally losing his cool after everything that he's gone through in the past six months to a year with all the stuff with Daniels and the, the allegations about you know the, the 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 whatever that crackhead's name was, Claire Lynch, something like that. Yeah, I mean all that stuff. Everything is built up with him. I and if he loses tonight, I could definitely see. You know the beginning stages of a heel turn for AJ Styles, where he doesn't have a title shot for a year. Um, yeah, I mean that, that that it makes sense. I think it's time to freshen him up a little bit and uh, you know give him somewhat of a character overhaul, so to speak. Don't make him like I said previous weeks ago, like some goofy heel. Like don't turn him into like you know a like a, a copycat of like what they did with him and Ric Flair because I thought that was a joke. Um, yeah. just give him a little bit. Just give him a little bit more of an edge, but keep him, you know, to some keep some of his character traits with him. Don't you know? Try and like totally, you know, reinvent the wheel when it comes to AJ Styles. Does it's really yeah. not good. But yeah, yeah, and I think you can just give him an edge. Make him a heel. Make him a, you know, kind of impatient with the crowd. Um, you know, the crowd has really gotten behind James Storm. Uh, over the you know the past year or so, uh, you, you could use that. You know, I, you know, I'm the guy. I, I'm you know, I put TNA on my back, and you guys are so behind the cowboy, and you turn your back on me. So you you can do that, and you definitely. But I agree with you, Dave. I, I don't think you you can do a complete overhaul. Uh, keep him. Look, he's he's a southern kid. He's a, he's a you know he's got that redneck kind of quality to him. He can be an angry, pissed-off Southerner instead of a, you know, happy, fun-loving Southerner. You know, you can kind of, uh, you can keep the, the what what his character is, so to speak, but just kind of, uh, you know, make him a little nastier. Um, yeah, as far as your, your sources, Mr. Trivia, is anyone going to reveal themselves uh, this evening? Uh, don't believe so, no, but I do have a couple of predictions for tonight that I believe uh, Jeff Hardy will retain his title. It's too soon to have him lose the title yet. Um, Bobby Roode is going to win the triple threat, and AJ and um, James Storm, I believe, is going to be the recipient of the one not getting the title shot until next year. And because, honestly, I've actually started to watch TNA. I mean, it's actually... Uh, getting a little bit more, other than the AJ scandal on Monday Night Raw, I mean, you know, that lately it's been getting to be a, a cure for insomnia because with uh, TNA, when it first came out, you know, that was just a, that was just a good uh, excuse for me to go do the dishes or something because it was actually pretty bad. But now it's getting real interesting with the Saces and Eights and, you know, Hogan doing this and all these guys. And it's getting uh, it's getting pretty interesting now. So I'm actually uh, looking forward to tonight's pay-per-view. And hopefully we'll get this roundtable going that we were talking about before, Ken. Uh, like it I said, sounds good. Why don't you give, give your show a plug? Yeah, after the, uh, after the first of the year, 
uh, the top rope is going to be uh, looking to do another roundtable, and uh, the scheduled uh, guests on the roundtable that night we're looking to get are going to possibly be WWE Hall of Famers Greg DeHammer Valentine, uh, Tio Santana, King Kong Bundy, and uh, Mario Mancini, and we're looking to do something after the first of the year. The Ken Reedy Show will be one of the first uh, to be notified about that when it happens, and they will be first ones in line. And also, that's... Excuse me? No one's yeah, like I said, also, it'll be, uh, like I said, Top Rope Tuesday night, 7.30. Stay tuned for more details on the, the second um, roundtable. The first one we had was very good with Ox Baker. And... Um, also, don't forget to keep tuning in to the Ken Reedy Show so we can get 5,000 listeners by December. Oh, that sounds good. Love to have that. Mr. Trivia, always a pleasure. Hope we can get that roundtable together. Check out Top Rope. We'll talk to you sooner. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there you have it. Now, we, we, uh, we're we going to take a break. Um, and callers that are on the line, just be patient because uh, coming out of the news break, like I said, we're going to have the brand new NWA world champion, uh, some would say, the, the most prestigious wrestling belt, prestigious wrestling title in the world, the NWA world heavyweight title. We'll have the champion Cahagas on after the break, but now uh, we do this each and every week. You want to know what's going on in the world of professional wrestling? It's time for our 50-50 Dave 5 Wrestling News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. This is a Dave 5 News report only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show. Our top story this week comes to us this morning as PWInsider.com is reporting that the WWE has sold over 50,000 tickets between Thursday's pre-sale date and yesterday for WrestleMania 29 emanating from East Rutherford, New Jersey on April 7, 2013 grossing around $10 million. Those numbers would make this the highest-grossing WrestleMania in WWE history, and the show has yet to take place. Of course, you want to go to WrestleMania, go on Ticketmaster, WWE.com. I got my tickets. We're going to be there. The Ken Reedy Show will be there. WrestleMania 29 is our coming-out party. Our second story this week. TNA World Heavyweight Champion Jeff Hardy and his brother Matt Hardy are in the beginning stages of producing a new mini-documentary on the Omega promotion they ran prior to their initial WWE run. Omega stands for Organization of Modern Extreme Grappling Arts and was established by the Hardys in 1997. Names in the wrestling world such as Hurricane Shane Helms, Shannon Moore, Old School Steve Carino, Christian York, and countless others got their start in Omega and later went on to bigger things in companies such as the original ECW, the WWE, and TNA. To view the trailer for this project, visit MattHardyBrand.com. Last weekend, Ring of Honor introduced Nigel McGuinness as the new authority figure character at their television tapings in Pennsylvania. Nigel replaced Jim Cornette, who is playing that role for the past several months. McGinnis is a former Ring of Honor star 
who was forced to retire due to nagging injuries last year and was working for the company in a broadcasting role. If you remember, McGinnis also played Desmond Wolf in TNA. TNA wrestler Eric Young noted on his Twitter page last week that upcoming live events may have been his last with the company. And I quote, TNA live shows in Michigan and Windsor, Canada. I'll be there. Could be my last live shows with TNA. Come get crazy with me. Young has not been seen much on TNA television since he began hosting off-the-hook extreme catches for the Animal Planet Network. No official word on when his contract is set to expire. And our final story this week could be a potential game changer. As according to the UK Sun, WWE has been in talks with stadium officials in the United Kingdom about potentially hosting next year's SummerSlam pay-per-view in an international setting. Officials, are, officials have been attempting to negotiate a deal for the August 2013 pay-per-view during the WWE's current European tour, which took place last week. You heard him just a few minutes ago, Mr. Trivia, the top rope. Tuesday night, 7.30 p.m., WPAA.TV. And, of course, you can't forget about our friends over at the gun show, El Rotundo, Steve-Off, and Bob Arian. Check it out, the gun show, YouTube slash Steve-Off. And there you have it. That is the Dave Five Report, only heard on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Wow, SummerSlam in England. I won't be going. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Crazy, right? It's crazy looking at the ticket sales for uh, WrestleMania. That's going to be huge. Uh, Looking forward to being uh, a part of that. You just get the feel, like, around here right now. I mean, you know, working with the NWA, so I've been doing, uh, you know, that stuff for NWA on fire, which has been great. Uh just get the feel right now that that wrestling in this area is just about to explode. Um, you know, the indie scene is, is great in this area. Um, you know, like I said, doing the NWA has been great. Uh, WrestleMania coming in. You know, there's this WrestleCon that's going to be happening. Uh, there's going to be so much in this area. And I, and I can't stress it. We've talked about this a lot. You know, get your tickets. Uh, it's, you know... Some WrestleManias are good, some aren't, it happens, but cannot stress enough how great it is to just be a part of it, uh, get your tickets and just be here. Um, it's a lot of fun, it's, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, so you know, just get your tickets. If nothing else, just to be a part of the Ken Reedy Show tailgate, so uh, hope to see you all out there. Um, this is the Ken Reedy Show, 347-838-9815. Right now, we are waiting for, we're supposed to have the new NWA heavyweight champion uh, calling in Cahagas. We're still waiting on his uh, phone call, so we're just going to keep going as we go. Uh, we are in right now. Uh, it is our Turning Point pregame show, TNA's pay-per-view uh, Turning Point. Uh, it's going on tonight, and it's interesting about Turning Point, because it's not one of TNA's big shows. Uh, you know, Bound for Glory is their big show of the year. You know, I'm really looking forward to this pay-per-view. This pay-per-view has got the makings uh, of being a really, really good pay-per-view. Uh, some good matches uh, on tap, uh, matches that I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, and Mr. Trivia brought it up, so why don't we start with the... Uh, 
the triple threat match for the number one contendership. A uh, few guys that, that really can go. Uh, good performers in this match. Uh, do we have a heel turn from AJ, James Storm, Bobby Roode? Uh, there's a lot in this match. Um, you know, TNA guys, three TNA guys uh, contending. Uh, it's it's good because you can see, I mean, it makes sense for any one of those guys to come out uh, with the number one contendership. Uh, do we have an AJ heel turn? Do we finally have at least AJ tweaking his character a bit? Um, so much history with James Storm and Bobby Roode. There's a lot in this match, and, and I am really looking forward to to this match and what these three guys are going to do. Your thoughts, Dave? Yeah, it's good. it looks like it's going to be a really good uh, high-energy, fast-paced match. You know, um, I, I, I remember you saying, you know, in the past that triple threats you're not a big fan of, but with these three guys, um, they all know each other. It's going to mesh well. I think it will work out. Dave, for I a second, do. we're, I, I don't mean to cut you off. And we're going okay. to analyze this show, but we do have the champ on the line, so I want to get him on. So I know he's he's traveling. He's in Texas right now, and he's nice enough to give us a couple minutes. So we will analyze. So hold that thought. Jot it okay. down. It's, um, it's being held. Okay, and we'll, we'll get back to dissecting uh, the triple threat match for the number one contendership of the TNA title. But the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion is on the line. Let's get him on. Cahagas, are you there? Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing all right. Great to have you. Thank you for uh, being on the show and giving us a, a few minutes. Uh, first off, how you doing? I'm good, man. You know, uh, just a, a little off subject real quick. You know, I know you guys up there from the Northeast got a little, you know, issue with pronunciation a lot of times, but it's Cahagas. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So, so let's. Cahagas is on the line, the new NWA heavyweight champion. Uh, so you had your first title defense last night. Um, how'd that match go? I, you came out victorious. Uh, how was the match overall? Um, overall, the match was great. Um, you know, me and Damian Wayne, we, we. Uh, uh, I can the only thing I can say is we we did everything but turn the building upside down, and uh, you know we gave people a little bit something to talk about. That's for sure, and. You know, of course, in this business, that's what we want to do. Well, so right now, great night, good house, you know, good crowd, good night, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to do it again. It's, I mean, you know, and again, I can't congratulate you enough. I mean, right now, where, where you're standing as far as the title you hold, uh, you know, Harley Race, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, I mean, now – your name is is etched in that lineage. How does it feel to be part of that kind of history? Well, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's an honor. You know, I mean, that's something like this, and and to to be in a business like this, and to actually uh, accomplish what you know some of the greats that that you know helped create this business and, and established it. You know, and following those footsteps. I mean, it's you know it's surreal. I mean, it's it's definitely an honor to. Uh, be able to be that guy to to step up. I'm just curious. So when it came to that championship match, you were not initially you weren't part of the eight in the uh, that elimination match. Uh, could you just give us an idea of of how that whole day unfolded for you? Um, very quickly. Um, you 
know, it was something that was just basically on the fly and, and, um, you know, there was no preparation for none of it. You know, when I say that for nobody and, um, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, Hey, we need you in Jersey. And I, I just landed in Texas and, and, uh, check, check my messages. And next thing you know, the next morning I'm heading to Jersey. So, you know, it was, uh, like I said, it just happened so quick. You know, it was, uh, just something that I guess you just go with, you know, it's part of the business and, and you do things, you know, on the fly and, 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 uh, you run with it. So, I mean, that's what I did. How, just out of curiosity, how often do do you wrestle? How often do I wrestle? Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been fortunate and I, I've, I've always been that guy that, that seems to stay booked, um, you know, my mainstay, you know, my one of my, my main promotions out in Florida is Coastal Championship Wrestling and Florida Underground and, and uh you know, I was the guy that 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 worked in South Florida and the next day he was in North Florida and then you know, the next weekend I'm in, you know, New England. But um I've always been, you know, fortunate to, to always be booked. I wasn't the guy that was working once a month or waiting for a show every three months. I was pretty much, you know, pretty much throughout my career I've 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 been nonstop pretty much every weekend, at least one show or more. And, uh, you know, I've always, you know, wanted that. And all I wanted is ring time. And and uh, it always, it just seemed to always pan out for me where I've always been booked. So, you know, that that's something that you definitely need in the business. You know, I mean, as far as training, I mean, training is a big deal. But, you know, you don't learn more, you know, until you get into the ring, you know, in front of everybody. And and uh, that's that's pretty much what I did. I was just one of the lucky guys that stayed busy. Now, Cahagas, um, you mentioned that you are uh, you're booked in, you book yourself a lot in Florida. Um, Florida has a rich uh, wrestling history, mainly in the NWA. Um, any uh, memories or influences um, in the Florida area that uh, you know you uh, I don't know uh, you know that, that come to mind for you uh, when when it when it comes to wrestling? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely the Florida days. I mean. Because you know when I was when I was younger and just like a, a lot of others, you know there that's all there was was NWA wrestling and you know out here in Texas was world class and and you know you had all the the basically the history was still going and um, I you know I remember you know Wahoo McDaniel's and you know Steve Kern, Mike Graham, the Guerreros. I mean just any, any anybody was involved in all that you know and. and and when I actually got into business, I never even knew there was such thing as independent wrestling. And so you could believe once I finally got in the ring and started doing this and looking at the 11 team people in the crowd, I was like, holy shit, this is real. You know, this is, this is how it is, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I mean, memories far as, you know, Florida championship wrestling and championship wrestling for Florida, NWA, Florida, all that stuff. I mean, it, you know, that's what I grew up on. And, and, uh, you know that's that's pretty much was my nature, and of course world class and, and any of that type of stuff. It, you know that's that was my nature of the business. That's what I looked at. Now another question: What are um, what are your goals as the NWA champion? Of, you know the wrestling landscape overall, um, from what you see on television to the independents, um, it's it's been different in the past. You know ten. 12 years or so. What are your goals is now that you are, you know, the top guy in the NWA, um, you know, heading towards the future of wrestling, what are you looking to accomplish um, in the next, you know, few years or so, especially now that you are NWA World Heavyweight Champion? 
Well, as far as accomplishing anything, I mean, I'm going to accomplish anything that gets put in front of me. You know, uh, of course, everybody, you want to go and get the most out of you can, you know, most of everything that you can out of the business or whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, I mean, I've got I've got some pretty big boots to fill, you know. I mean, just like you said, some of the people that's carried this, you know, carried this belt and along with Adam Pierce, you know. I mean, all respects to anybody, you know, that, that um, you know, is on, above me. I mean, as far as, you know, carrying this belt be- before me, I mean, they're, they're the guys that kept the tradition alive and, and, and kept it going, you know. And like I said, I, I'm just honored to be one of the guys to be able to step in and try to help carry and further that, further that along. Along those lines, uh, you know, you, the, the NWA is definitely in a, in a tremendous state of, of flux right now. Things are uh, very different, uh, new uh, power structure. Uh, are, are you pleased with the direction that the NWA is going in? Um, you know, things definitely have changed in the last few months with the NWA. Um, but, it, you know, hopefully the change is for the better. That's, that's what everybody wants, and that's the whole intentions of business. Is you you don't want anything to do but just move forward, you know. Um, so I mean, I think you know with Bruce Bruce Tharp and Chris Ronquello and, and Fred Rubenstein, you know, uh, you know I think they got a lot of good ideas. And um, you know, and the big thing is too is they want this too. They want to push the NWA. They want to see it succeed and grow and be bigger and reestablish itself so much, you know. And um, you know that's that's good positivity, and, and that's what you pretty much need right now in the NWA. Very cool. Just curious, who are some of your influences as, as far as putting together uh, your your persona, your entering persona? Uh, was there any uh, performers you watched growing up that really helped shape who you are as a wrestler? Uh, you know, I, I've been asked that a bunch of times, and you know, it's everybody's uh, who's your favorite wrestler, who's the guy you you know you looked at. You know, I honestly, I mean, I could throw some names out there that would be at the top of the list, but, I mean, there's no certain individuals, you know. I mean, I, you know, growing up with the days of the Road Warriors and Kevin Sullivan and the Purple Haze and Black Jack Mulligan and all those guys, you know, I mean, Wahoo McDaniels, those are the guys that, you know, I looked at and, and, and were more influenced. But, you know, to say just one person, that, that I can't really say that could be done. I, I look at it as, I mean, anybody in this business that pretty much made this business what it is is, you know that those are my influences, and uh, you know I don't I don't love this business as much as I do just because of one guy. You know I mean it, it's the business itself, and and everybody was involved in building. Is there anyone that you you watch today that you really enjoy watching? Um, to be honest with you, bro. I don't watch it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I'll flip it on and check it out. But, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of talent out there. I mean, you got Punk out there. He's on top. And, you know, everybody's, you know, watched him come from come from the bottom all the way up. And, and same way with Daniel Bryan. And, I mean, I've been on cards with both those guys. And it, it's nice to see guys like that, you know, go to the top and, and establish themselves to what they are. Same way with Austin Aries and, you know, and anybody else. You know, to see them get what they want out of this business and accomplish and succeed, man. I mean, you know, good for them because, I mean, I'm trying to do the same thing. More power to you, you know. You know, it's interesting, and I'd like to ask you, you know, you you know, when you come down to the ring, you have a manager kind of doing your your, your talking for you. And, and we've noticed over the years, uh, you know, growing up, rich history and managers, uh, being that, that mouthpiece for certain wrestlers, um, that's kind of absent uh, right now in, in pro wrestling. Um, 
you obviously have a manager, so you, you, I'm assuming you like having a manager. Uh, do you think that's something that could be beneficial and you'd like to see perhaps come back in wrestling? Oh, sure. I mean, it, you know, it's it's definitely part of the business. I mean, you got your Gary Hart's, your Sir Oliver Homer Dinks, and, you know, and all the above that, you know, they help build this business too. And, and you know, your Bobby Heenan's, you know, they might have been workers and wrestlers in ring at one time, but, you know, I mean, you know, they play part of that manager, and, and you know, that's that's part of a growing business. And, you know, I, I've I've uh, surrounded myself with, um, you know, a few managers, and, and I mean, I've definitely, you know, I, I've always been definitely uh, picky about them. You know, there are certain ones that I use and, and ones that I've used from day one that I continue to use. Um, but, you know, as far as with my gimmick and, and character, I mean, it does play a good part in, you know, I'm an old school guy, and, and uh, you know, of course, the days with Kendo Nagasaki and Muda when he was coming around and all that, you know, there, you know, there, there were mouthpieces out there. And uh, with my kind of gimmick, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, come on, if I grab the mic and wearing what I'm wearing and cut a promo, what are you going to think? You know, I mean, <laughs> it's not going to, it's not going to work out too good, you know. So, you know, with with me having managers in my corner, I mean, it definitely helps give me that, you know, that extra mouthpiece and extra little bit of shine that, that's needed, you know, but as far as in the business, sure. You know, I mean, you don't see a lot of it anymore, but, um, you know, it's just something that's just one of those things that's missing right now. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that it's going to come back around or not, you know, it's, it's just like anything up, what goes up comes back down. And, and, uh, you know, far as, far as anything at any levels, it's the same way, but, you know, I think managers are, are definitely a, a very important, you know, uh, um, position in the wrestling business, and, and like I said, I mean, I, I owe it to a lot of my guys. You know, Rico Casanova's managed me throughout Central America, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and and, and throughout the states. And same way with uh, Kenny G out there in the, the Midwest, Ron Nemi, and, and also Dante Brown, the Florida Underground. And uh, I mean, I try to surround myself with people that you know believe in me, and, and I believe in them. And uh, definitely having that extra foot in the corner, you know, it, to me, to me, it helps. You know, you mentioned that you mentioned you wrestled all over the world. Uh, is there distinguishable differences with with crowds or attitude or, or wrestling outside of this country as opposed to coming back to American wrestling? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I traveled around the world. I mean, I, I've been other places in different countries. You know, I mean, I, a lot of people ask me if I've ever wrestled in Japan. No, I haven't. Have I been to Japan? Yeah. Am I Japanese? Yes. You know, but it doesn't mean I've wrestled there. You know, I'd love to. You know, that'd be great. You know, same way without, the, you, you know, the European area and, you know, any of that 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 area over there, I've never really reached. I kind of went to areas that a lot of people didn't go. Um, but, you know, and when I say that um, – you know, going to Panama, I went to Panama and, uh, back in, I believe it was in 06. Um, I was invited over there by Hugo Savinovich, which uh, he was a longtime commentator for the WWE. And, um, you know, he kind of gave me a good footstep in, in the right direction. And I went over there with my manager, Rico. And the next thing I know, a week later, I'm in I'm in the Dominican Republic. And the week after that, I'm in Puerto Rico. And then, uh, then you know, one it was actually almost a year to the date that, you know, Central America or Panama brought me back into brought me back into their country, and I ran about a two year angle with their top guy. And um, you know, we wrestled all over you know Panama. And um, you know, as far as the crowds and stuff go, I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot different. You hear a lot of the stories of the old days of Puerto Rico and you know, everybody's, you know, they're throwing batteries and conch shell and you know, and the whole the whole nine yards and well, you know, not Puerto Rico's not necessarily that bad anymore, but there's but the other countries next door are still like that. Really? And um yeah, I mean it's 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 still real, you know. I mean these people they, they wanna see they wanna be entertained, they wanna see they wanna see wrestling and you know, just like anything else, they get hyped up. You know, they, they're all about it, and, and um, it can get scary at times. Definitely, you know. I mean, I've caught myself in situations going, "Where the hell? They don't have security over here," you know. But <laughs> you know, what do you do? You know, just keep going. But uh, um, it's definitely a lot different. And, and I, I mean, I'm, you know, it sucks to say, but more or less like somewhat third world countries. Um, it definitely, the crowds are. are a lot different, you know, you don't have that smart crowd where, you know, they, they go with the chance or they, you know, try to be smart and pre you know, predetermine everything and get on the internet and try to, you know, root everybody out and all that, you know, it has, there's nothing like that. It's a totally blind side over there. You know, what they see is what they see when they walk in the building. And, um, you know, it's kind of neat because it, it does kind of kick back to make, you know, make you think, wow, this is this is how it was. You know, when you're driving down the road and you get a flat, you ain't got a cell phone to help you, you know. And, and uh, you know, in those type of places, it's still like that. And, you know, so, I mean, I, I think it's more old school in countries like that. And when you go over there and you don't understand anybody's language or anything, they don't understand you either, you know. And, and you get in there and do business and, and meet different people, you know, from these different countries and, and see that there is wrestling in all these different areas. And that, that's kind of like one of my goals I'm kind of looking at possibly doing. And I'm in talks with different countries right now that basically haven't ever seen a world title or it's been decades since there's ever been a world title there. And um, um, I've got a lot of talks going on with that the, in that type of a situation. So, you know, hopefully every everything pans out and, you know, we get rolling and, and I do what I need to do with this thing. That's awesome. Well, you know, you, you got the right title to go from country to country. Uh, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight. Uh, before we let you go, uh, anything you'd like to promote going forward? Um, you know, I just would definitely say just keep your eye on the NWA because, you know, everything's unpredictable in this business. And, and right now I think the NWA is in that position too. But, um, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. I know we were going to do this last week and things kind of changed, but, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys following up and we doing this. And, and one thing I will say, it was great to see Carlos in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I, just had to, I just had to throw that in there for him. Yeah, it's, right, it's uh, funny because Car- Carlos is actually here right now. We have uh, cameras provided by the Savoldis and NWA on fire. They wanted to do, get us some TV time as well. So Carlos is actually in studio <laughs> quietly filming. So I'll make sure the NWA champ says hello. So. <laughs> but thanks yeah, you know, again, really appreciate it. hope we have you on uh, again and uh, good luck be safe and uh, we'll talk to you real soon appreciate it man thanks very much thanks take care okay bye well and there you have it Cor- corrected on the pronunciation Cahagas um, well I, I, I wasn't the only one pronouncing it that way but uh, Cahagas the NWA world champion uh, here with us uh, giving us uh some stories, great to hear from him. Uh, most prestige, prestigious belt in wrestling history, and uh, he was right here on the Ken Reedy Show. And, and I, I have to thank, uh, like I just mentioned, the Savoldi family uh, from NWA on Fire, uh, 
not only are they providing the cameras here today uh, in studio, but they, they also did a lot of like work to get Cahagas on the show tonight uh, to talk to him. So I got to send my thanks out to them. So be sure to check out, I mean, as you're following the NWA, be sure to watch NWA on Fire on Me TV every Friday with yours truly doing commentary. And, uh, you know, check out the website, nwaonfire.com, to check out what's going on with them and uh, the Savoldis. And we're actually, you know, to digress, and then we'll get back into Turning Point, um, we're real excited at NWA on Fire because uh, we're getting a, a, a little arena uh, going forward. If you can uh, conceptualize and think about what uh, TNA does uh, with the Impact Zone, uh, NWA on Fire, we're trying to create a similar vibe so we got a building, we got, we're going to have stands, and we're going to run uh, monthly events out in Parsippany Lake, New Jersey, first of which coming up December 8th. And we're going to be going monthly and doing our TV tapings there. And we're excited about that because this is pro wrestling. And we've had the show going, and the show is gaining some steam. But what people really want to see in pro wrestling is storylines. That's what sells pro wrestling. And with this setup now, with having this going month to month, with having some continuity, uh, our TV show is going to start to facilitate some storylines, build some characters. You'll have some regulars, so you'll get to know the performers. So it uh, should be a great time going forward. So starting December, we're going to be running monthly in Parsippany Lake. So check out NWAonfire.com to get tickets. And as always, we're on MeTV. So, again, thanks to them for doing some of the legwork of getting Cahagas. Uh Dave, wow. Our first world champion. Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He gave us a lot, and uh, he was very informative and uh, insightful. And uh, you know, one of, one of the uh, the better interviews that we've done. Um, you know, yeah. going going you know here on the Ken Reedy show. It's pretty cool. You know, you know, it's funny because you, you just never know. And sometimes you do an interview and you get like those one word answers where you've blown through like ten questions and you look at the clock and you've gotten like three minutes done. Um, yeah. This was good. You know, I wrote down some questions. He gave us some stories. Uh, good guy. And it's funny because, you know, he's a good guy. I mean, he seems like a good guy. Man, he's scary, though, when he's coming down to the ring. Would not want to meet him in a dark alley. A big guy, very fit guy, um, interesting guy to carry the NWA banner going forward. I mean, you know, he's got that makings of – you know, when you think of, like, the old school guys and you think of, like, a Ric Flair who would go from territory to territory and he'd put the other guys over because those local fans hated Flair so much. Cahagas is a guy, it, it's tough. when he comes down to the ring, it's tough to like him. Um, so he can put over every other guy's, every other promotion's guy because he's immediately going to be getting those boos. Such an imposing figure uh, garners a lot of hatred. His manager is a great mouthpiece. Um, so I, I, I'm really, I'm optimistic to see what this guy can do going forward uh, under the new NWA regime. But uh, a little over a week into his reign as champ, uh, won his first title defense, and you know it was great to have him on. Hopefully, we'll have him on again real soon. But we're into the last half hour, and you know what? we're going to go right to the phones because we have. Sona has been on hold for a while. It's our buddy Dank, so let's get him on the line. Dank, are you there? Hey, Ken, good to hear you. Good to hear from you. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Welcome back. Thank you. We we, we missed you. You know, it was, it was, it was so sad. It's funny that insult to injury. I think we got power back. It was it was like a quarter after six. Yeah. 
was just like, you know, at that point, I wanted the power to stay out till at least 8 o'clock, so I knew that, like, there was no way I could have done the show. But it was like the power comes down, like, uh, and But at the one, not having power for a week, I, you know, I caught up with some stuff, you know, reading, you know, my, my smartphone in the dark, trying to catch up on what happened in wrestling. I watched none of it, really. I caught up some on YouTube. Uh so it would have been tough, nonetheless, to do the show. But, uh, yeah, it was a quarter after six we got power back. But we're here tonight. So, Dank, what do you got for us? Um, well, actually, something kind of interesting. Uh, a um, a radio show here, Real Radio, the Buckethead show, was actually talking about the um, DNA pay-per-view that's going on tonight. And I don't know if it's going to be, like, right before the pay-per-view or, like, as soon as it starts what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and break the world record for the most texts sent at once for both the in-crowd and the people um, watching it. And um, the way they're going to record it is um, they set up a special phone number with the Red Cross to which they are um, people are going to text that number, and obviously by texting that number, it's going to donate $10 to, um, it's going to go towards uh, helping out the uh, East Coast and all the survivors and everything that's happened up there. And um, they're going to try and break the world record for the most texts at once, which I believe right now as it stands, it's at about 600 and something people, but um, they're going to try and do it and then... um, they're going to record all the texts that are sent. So not only are they going to be doing this for the world record, but they're doing it and it's going to raise money to help all the victims up in New Jersey, New York, which I thought was actually a really, really cool thing to do. That's awesome. I think that's great. I mean, why not, you know, challenge people to set a world record by by raising some money? I mean, you can't, you know, and the pictures don't really do it justice. And it's, I've never seen anything like it. Um, what happened up in the Northeast from this hurricane is just, it's, you know, there's certain areas that are just gone. And uh, it's far-reaching. And, I, and I'm not, look, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not saying the media should be covering us. You know, there are places a lot worse. But, you know, my area in the suburbs of New York, uh, you know, there's no media attention, which, again, rightfully so, um, but devastated. Um, you know, places, uh, like I said, I have a friend who lost everything, Um Towns uh, that that were along the Hudson in, in the Rockland uh, area are, are just gone, um, like really just gone. I mean, it, it's it's like Armageddon. And then the harder hit areas, when you look at places like Staten Island, and I went to school in Staten Island, um, spots that are just you know, it's not like the houses are in bad shape; they're gone. Um, it's it's incredible what happened. And I know you know places like Florida. You know, you, you live in Florida, thank. Uh, you know, deal with this sort of thing often. We don't get this sort of, uh, you know, we don't get storms like that. Um, yeah, so I, mean, think I think a lot of our fair, stuff, though, like, I haven't prepared. personally gone or, like, experienced something like this. Like, even live, even even ever since I moved to Florida, yeah, we've had, like, our tropical storms or, like, our big storms, but nothing, like, I personally have not gone through this, so I can't even begin to pretend to know what people are going through up there and... You know, like, you almost get, like, this feeling of, like, helplessness because 
people like me, people that I like, see it on TV, I want to get on the first flight up there and, you know, help out and do what I can and do, you know what I mean, just physically be there. Unfortunately, financially, for financial, for financial reasons, I can't. But, like, it's it's like you see it and you're like, oh, my God, like, I want to help. I want to go up there. I want to help. And you feel, like, so helpless about it. And it's nothing compared to what you guys have been going through for the past couple of weeks now. And it's just like you see all these stories and you see, like, all these people, like, all these feel-good stories. And it stops and it makes you stop and think because it takes something of this magnitude to bring neighborhoods together, people that you see normally that you don't normally talk to, all of a sudden it's, you know, somebody that you're helping out, somebody that is there, and um, it would be great if things changed to where it's like the neighborhoods, you know, once a week the entire neighborhood comes together, hangs out, whatnot. But unfortunately it seems like disasters are the reasons why people come together the most. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And again, we, we got really lucky where I am. I mean, it's... My street looked like a war zone, and somehow we had, we had these giant trees fall, and, you know, somehow it just missed things. Uh, we had a big tree fall in our yard. It just it missed our house. I mean, it's just we got really lucky on our street. Uh, I have a police officer that I'm friends with who drove down our street, and she's like, it's the worst street I've seen in Rockland. And, but it really nothing didn't hit. One One house got hit, but on the side of the house. Other than that, somehow... It, they missed us, so uh, someone was looking out for for our street. But uh, you know, cannot uh, you know really understate the devastation that's happened in this area, and it's it's a shame. And you know, uh, it's nice when you know it's tough for people. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't know where to give money or how to help. And and kudos to TNA for uh, doing what they're doing. If they're they're setting that record, um, you know, I don't have the number. Offhand, but but check out the pay per view tonight. Go to TNA's website um, if they're trying to set the world record for texts to the Red Cross uh, to donate ten dollars. Uh, let's let's set the world record tonight and let's let's do that all at once. You know that's easy. Send a text. It's ten dollars. Bam, done. You did something. You know when you think about every ten people that send a text, that, that's a hundred bucks. So you know we can set the record. And and TNA is also doing a. Uh, make an impact T-shirts that they're selling for twenty bucks. So go buy, you know, go buy and make an impact shirt. Twenty bucks goes to, uh, you know, help victims of Sandy. Um, you know, and like I said, I mean, you you see a lot of the areas that were hard hit on TV, and I will tell you right now because the media overstates a lot of things. What you're seeing on TV, it's it's worse. They're actually not covering it as well as they should be. It's actually worse. Not where I am. I got lucky. But areas like Staten Island, the Jersey Shore, what you're seeing on TV does not even scratch the surface of what this storm did to those areas. So, uh, you know, if you can if you can donate, if you can do anything, uh, if you can get somewhere to, to help out a shelter even, uh, do that. But uh, every little bit will help. So kudos to TNA. Send a text tonight. Let's set that world record for uh, the most texts uh, sent in uh, whatever one moment or, or whatever they're trying to do. Uh, let's uh, get some money to the Red Cross. Um, it's tough again. We talked about this earlier to transition, but uh, you got anything wrestling related for us, Dank, or you just want to talk uh, about the um, Well, actually, no. Like this week, it was just like I said, it was great 
hearing you back on the radio live again, both, you know, you and Dave up there. And I know that usually I come at you with, like, a big question, but it's like, you know what, after what everything's been going through, everything that's happened, like, I don't even have a question at this point. I don't. I'll, I'll be back next week, and I'll think it through and give you, like, a nice big question. I do actually have a trivia question for Dave. Wow. To it. <laughs> All right. Go for it. It's a quote, and I want to. Oh, see hi! By the way, it. nice, nice, nice to have you on today. Oh, <laughs> uh, hi. Yeah. All right. Who said that the only strong thing about the French army is their odor? This is a wrestling quote or a historical quote? No, this was a wrestling quote. This was a quote by a wrestler. And it's funny because it sounds familiar. And the wrestler said that the only strong thing about the French army is their odor. Wow. You know something? I mean, I don't really think... We have Mr. Trivia calling in every night and Dank winds up stumping Dave. I mean, all right. The only thing I remember (laughs) was concerned... I'll give him him the fact that it's a quote, so he he made it a little harder to remember than, you know, an event or a belt or a title match. But I wanted to see if he got it. I mean, the only thing I remember was the, the first thing that comes to mind when you mentioned when you said that was I remember a few years ago Scott Steiner when he was in the WWE he made mention of uh, you know it was right around the time when France decided not to help the United States when we were going to go into Iraq um, and they brought it up on television and uh, Steiner made a comment or a quote about the French. I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I'm just taking a guess, but, you know, quotes, obviously, I'm not really good with unless, you know, but I was going to say Scott Steiner, but, I mean, I'm probably wrong. All right, give it to us, Dan. Who's the answer? The answer is The Rock. And you know what? That was the second thought in my mind. I almost thought <laughs> The Rock, but, no, I'm serious. No, I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm um, dead serious. I really, I, the, I mean, the two French guys that used to parade around with their French flag. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Right. And had come down, and they were arresting Mick Foley, and then The Rock actually returned because he had been gone for a while, and he he took Foley's side, and obviously The Rock being The Rock went into his own little spiel, and he ended it with that quote, which I thought was hysterical. Yeah, you know, now I do do remember that. I I, I do. uh, Yeah, damn, I should have went with The Rock (laughs) Yeah, Steiner, but okay. Oh, Dang, congratulations. Well, you know, you're, and I think you're going to really bruise Mr. Trivia's ego now because he keeps calling and, and trying to stump Dave, and you find now, now you know what's yeah, going to happen. We'll if Mr. Trivia is still listening, ball. he's going to start coming. He's going to come at you with quotes now, so I think you're going to have to brush up on your quotes. <laughs> and like oh, I said, like I, I, I don't think that it should count because, like I said, Dave's really, really big on events and belts and matches. And a quote is something that's really hard to remember. So, I'll, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm not claiming victory, but <laughs> I just wanted to. It, it's fun to see, to hear Dave stumble on his words when he doesn't know the answer when it comes to wrestling. Well, I, impressive, Dave. Well, thanks I'm thanks so much you. for the call. I'm glad we'll you got uh, talk, to you, talk to you next week. Uh, All right, geez, guys. Uh, I think I was, I was getting a little teared up there when Dank was uh, – Saying that he missed us and uh, was just happy we were back. Uh, I said he missed you. 
<laughs> they didn't say shit about me, all right? He said he missed you. Shut up. <laughs> all right, that was good. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, like, you're, I still, like, I, I, it was when he gave the quote, I was thinking Roddy Piper, and I was just way off. So go figure. I'm not good at quotes or dates, but um, we had Cahagas. I don't consider that a loss, by the way. I'm telling you right now, I don't consider that a loss because I don't think quotes are. Yeah, we gotta, I don't consider that loss. Rules. F that. Well, we're getting we're getting close to the end, so why don't we, uh, Dave? You had a thought with the triple threat match. Uh, let's try and hit the triple threat in the the main event uh, as okay. we get to the turning point. Um, I, I, I first of all, I don't think Bobby Roode is going to be the one that takes the pinfall and loses the title for you know or loses the title shot for a year because Bobby Roode's kind of been out of the title picture for a few months. And he's one of those guys that they could just slot into the title picture if they don't have anything going forward within the next few months. So I think I don't think Bobby Roode's going to take the pinfall. The James Storm thing, you know, Mr. Chevy brought that up. He brings up a good point, despite some of the things I do disagree with him on at times. Um, James Storm has been, you know, fighting and itching for a title shot, and he hasn't really gotten it, and he came close in the Bound for Glory series. And, I mean, if you go any longer with James Storm not getting a title shot, and if it goes a whole year, I think people are going to lose their interest in wanting to see James Storm eventually get a title shot. So that's why I think AJ Styles is going to eat the pinfall in this match and then it's going to go for a year, and he'll be a heel. That's just my personal opinion. Who I think wins it, I'm going to go ahead and say James Storm. I think James Storm's finally going to get that, that title shot, and whether he wins or not, I think he'll find, it, he's finally going to reach it. It's been long enough. Let's just put it that way. I think he's due. Do you know what I see happening tonight? I see James Storm, super kicks, AJ Styles, Rude slinks in with the pin. That's not a bad idea either. And then AJ, and that gives AJ that his like heel turn. Thought. You can still put James Storm in the title picture because he doesn't lose his eligibility for the year, but AJ does. Um, so I, I see something like that happening. I, I'm, I'm picking Rude to come out with the title shot um, because, and we can segue into it, I am going to be picking, I'm agreeing with Mr. Trivia, I think uh, Hardy will retain tonight. Uh, good job by TNA, but I'm excited about this match. Uh, I'm excited about the title match. Uh, two guys who can perform. We're going to have a ladder match with Aries and Hardy. Really looking forward to this. Uh, I do think Hardy prevails. I, I, I think TNA, unless there's something going on contractually that uh, we don't know, but I think TNA wants to keep Hardy happy. I think it works. I think TNA also thinks that Hardy's their guy. He's the guy to sell the company. Uh, whether you agree or disagree, I think that's what they think, and I think Hardy wins. So you're going to set up a uh, Bobby Roode, uh, Jeff Hardy kind of thing coming up uh, down the road a piece. Uh, but I am really, really looking forward to uh, what these two are going to do with a ladder match. Your thoughts? I, you know, I think that uh, you're going to create magic with a ladder match. Um, you know, Aries said on TV the other night he's a wrestler, he's not a ladder match guy, but I think he'll pull out some tricks. Uh, you know, I've seen some stuff on the indies that he's done with ladder matches, and he's, you know, he, he's done quite well for himself. Of course, Hardy, you know, he always pulls out all the stops, you know, in ladder matches. It should be a good match. I do agree with both you and Mr. Trivia. I think Hardy is going to retain and be the champion. And I think, you know, I, I think Hardy's going to have a long run with the title, in my personal opinion. And, and 
in my other personal opinion, I do I do think that right now Hardy is the 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 closest thing to being a you know a world champion, but at the same time, a top guy that the mainstream mainstream television can gravitate to and be their star, you know, and, and they attract more viewers in. He's got a following. And uh, I think we're going to see Jeff Hardy as a champion for quite a while. I agree with you. I, I think he's, he's got the, a crossover appeal. And, look, and, and I've said it before, and I will say it publicly again. If I'm running uh, a promotion, Jeff Hardy does not sniff a main event ever again. Period. Uh, after what he pulled uh, that night with Sting and coming down to the ring in the condition he came in, uh, sorry, that would be my stance. I will say this, I probably would be wrong. Um, I get it. You know, I, I would put my foot down at that moment if TNA is my company. However, backtracking a bit on, on what I'm saying, to me, this is the best Jeff Hardy I've ever seen. Uh, so, you know... I would have been wrong in making that decision. That would be a mistake if I did pull Jeff Hardy off of my TV. Uh, TNA has done a tremendous job at building this guy back up. He looks clean. He looks healthy. And, you know, he's a guy that mentally and physically just looks tremendous right now. And like what you're saying, Dave, with the crossover appeal that he's got, um, talented guy, good worker, uh, can you know he he gives you good spots, but in no way, shape, or form what I call him a spot monkey. Um, he uses his spots well uh, in the context of a match. Uh, very excited about what we're going to see out of the match tonight. But uh, you're right. I mean Jeff Hardy right now, the 2012 version of Jeff Hardy is a guy you can put the company on his shoulders and say let's let's see how far you can take us. And uh, you know kudos to him. Kudos to him for, for pulling his life together and, and doing what he's doing right now. Uh, it's a tough, tough business. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have not come through better on the other side, and at least right now, uh, I got all the respect in the world for, for what Jeff Hardy is, is doing out there. Um, it just He's tremendous. Uh, so tonight's match is something that I'm really, really looking forward to. I think these guys are going to put on a show. Um, and it's interesting because we, we – you know, we've talked about James Storm and uh, Bobby Roode uh, recently having a potential uh, match of the year candidate. Uh, I think we're going to see in, in Jeff Hardy and Austin Aries a potential match of the year candidate, which, uh, you know, I, I get excited whenever I, I'm going into a pay-per-view and I'm thinking, hey, potential match of the year, I get a little excited. So this should be a good build to this. Uh, should be a good match, so I'm looking forward to this. But we're running a little late, but we will get it in. Time for... The Ken Reedy Show, not overproven. Nod of approval time. That moment in the Ken Reedy show, we just talk about, you know, what just made us sit back on our couch and nod and say, yeah, that worked. I like that. Um, it could be anything, a promo, a wrestler, a TV program, uh, anything. Um, we give our nod of approval to. And Dave, this week in pro wrestling, what do you give the nod of approval to? Well, 
there wasn't really much that jumped out at me on Monday night on Raw. Um, same thing with uh, the Super SmackDown live special, which really wasn't live because they were in England and they're six hours ahead of us, so that means they would have had to have aired it at 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. But um, Thursday's Impact, um, they had Luke Gallows and Devon in a tag match against Sting and Kurt Angle. And uh, Luke Gallows is known as Doc, the director of chaos as part of the Aces and Eights. And uh, the, what what jumped out at me that I thought was really cool was, you know, it's sick to say, but I'm a wrestling fan, but the beatdown of Sting. He <laughs> beat it with a – I mean, it's, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty twisted, you know. We, 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 that, that, that cat's been out of the bag for a while. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the he beat him with a ball-peen hammer. And, like, just the atmosphere in the impact zone when he when he beat him and the crowd's reaction and the, you know, I mean, we've seen it a million times in wrestling. Guys getting stretched out, they get beat up, they get hit with a, with a, with a baseball bat or a chair or whatever. And then they show up next week with like a minor limp in their, you know, in their step and, you know, I'm going to kill you and, you know, I'll see you on the 13th and you know, all that other stuff. But like they carried him out just the mood from the announcers and like just the way he like with a hammer, I mean, that's like, that's like, you know, horror movie, sadistic type shit, you know? Like, he beat him with a hammer. You know, we've seen Triple H use a sledgehammer before, and then the guy shows up next week, you know? Triple H got thrown, jumped, you know, he, he was stuck in a car, and Steve Austin lifted it up with a forklift, dropped him 20 feet in the air in his head, and the guy showed up two weeks later to compete in Hell in a Cell. You know what I mean? Like, but it just seemed like, it seemed different, and TNA's done a real good job of, like, being consistent with their storylines in terms of, like, you know, guys being injured, who they're associated with. You know, Sting was out for a few weeks with this whole Aces and Eights thing, you know, in the beginning, and he might be out again. And, you know, it, like I said, he just beat him with a hammer. And the the, the mood and the impact zone, like, the, the camera work with the, when they show, you know, shots of people in the audience, like how, you know, they really, like, hook the audience in. And it's hard with the impact zone, especially if they're, you're there every week and, you know, you're basically doing the same show in front of the same crowd, um, which I thought was good. And, uh, you know, the announcers played up the, you know, the 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 realness to this whole thing, you know. Like, I get hit in the head with a hammer or in the chest or in the back, like, you know, I may be done. You know what I mean? Like, they, it's just, I don't know, I just, there was something about it. Like I said, maybe it was just, I, I guess I can give my nod to the ball-peen hammer this week. But, you know, I mean, just overall, in general, just that whole mood and the, the, the feeling surrounding it, to me, you know, I just, I, I was like, okay, this is like, this is a serious wrestling angle. This is cool, you know. So hopefully, hopefully they don't, you know, as as you would say, quote-unquote, shit the bed with the wrestling. <laughs> but um, I, I just, I, I just thought it was good overall. I like. I thought I thought that was good too, and it's funny because for years, you know, when you see people with a hammer. I, I guess for you know from watching Triple H, I had always thought the way to assault somebody with a hammer is to put your hand over the 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 hammer part, and then actually hit them with your hand that's covering the hammer. Well, that's Not what through, I did. Though. I did that in a bar fight like six months ago with a pool cue. <laughs> did you? And it had it worked out for work. you? It didn't work. The guy got up and he was like, "Huh? No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I never got in a bar fight. Please, any people out there, you know, don't, don't, don't try exactly. it at home or at the no, bar." I mean, it's funny. So actually, watching Impact, you realize no, you could actually swing the hammer 
and hit someone, like hammer them with the hammer. You can actually do that. I agree with you. I thought it was it was kind of, you know, graphic, uh, again, with us, again, being kind of warped and everything. You know, it's one of those moments that I would have liked to have a little, little blood uh, in it. Um, but that's a small gripe, I guess, for, for it. I, I thought it was definitely a good sequence. It, uh, You know, and it, it's kind of showing the unpredictability and the viciousness of Ace and Eights. And you don't know what you're going to get from them. They're just a a evil, disgruntled group of guys that, you know, really at this point have no limits to uh, how uh, violent they're willing to get to prove their point. So uh, I agree with you. My nod of approval actually is going to uh, Austin Aries at the end of uh, Impact. Uh, I I loved his promo at the end, and I loved when he snuck back into the ring and pushed the ladder over when uh, uh, Jeff Hardy was posing at the top of the ladder. I've always been the type I hate. For all his greatness, I hate the what chant uh, that Stone Cold introduced. Um, I despise it. I despise that it's actually existed and it's it's lived on. Um, I loved when he looked at the crowd and said, well, if you shut up and listen, you'd know what I'm doing. I thought that was great. I thought his whole promo was great. I'm very happy that he's back to being a heel. Uh, I thought... He did a good job at really putting over this match. I love the whole, like, two titles thing, uh, kind of making fun of uh, Jeff Hardy's uh, belt. Uh, So I loved everything that Austin Aries brought to the table at the end of Impact. And really what it did is you ended Impact uh, really wanting to watch the pay-per-view. And that's what you need out of the, you know, the last show before your pay-per-view. You want the crowd to be sitting there thinking, I got to order this. I have to see this pay-per-view. And I thought they did an excellent job at the end of Impact to uh, make you want to buy the, buy the pay-per-view. So we got Austin Aries and the Sting Beatdown. The nod of approval this week. The Ken Reedy Show, nod of approval. Interesting, Dave. I'm curious your thoughts. We got about two minutes left in the program. Um, with the shows we talk about, you know, when I'm thinking post summer, and this is another week that both of our nods came from TNA. Um, is TNA just putting on a better wrestling show now? Is Impact the best show, the best wrestling show uh, going on when you compare SmackDown and Raw and Impact? Um, you know, maybe even like post summer, since August, September, October, now into November. Uh, what do you think, Dave? I think they've been on a good, consistent run since they went live in May. And uh, I do, you know, some people may disagree with me, and I may be crucified for saying this, but yeah, I would agree. I think they're putting on overall a better wrestling product. I think it's helped that they've been live. Um, granted, they're still in the impact zone, but they're live. And uh, I think the unpredictability of, you know, not knowing what's going to happen um, has helped their their product immensely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Aces and Eights thing is, uh, you know, people talk about gangs in wrestling, NWO, DX, whatever, you know. They, they'll, they'll try and compare this to the NWO. I see this more as like a... Uh, you know, they're really going with that biker feel, like kind of like you know, they're, they're tapping into what's what's you know going on in pop culture, and that's you know, yeah, being, Sons of Anarchy is so, is so Sons popular of right is, now. 
Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think it's I think it's helping them, and I do overall, with the exception of the women's division, because they're not. I think they're not really hyping the women's division as much. Overall, they do have a better they they have it, a better show been, so far. It's been quality entertainment. We're just about out of time. Thank you, NWA, for bringing on Cahagas, uh, the Savoldis, and NWA on Fire for providing us with the camera work. Dave, my co-host, we are, it is time for Turning Point. Thank you all for tuning in. We will see you next week. Take care and good night, everybody.